Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is David Potter with Red Pill News. It is Thursday, September 29th, and wow, the world is crazy. We have a few different big topics to talk about today. We're going to start off with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Russia accuses the U.S. of doing it. The U.S. accuses Russia of having a false flag and committing the act themselves. The Europeans are unsure, depending on which country you ask. Although there was a European government official who actually said good job or like nodded at President Biden after it happened. I will put that in the show links for you when I find that. I can't recall his name right now. Another thing that happened in April, Biden said that if Russia invades Ukraine again with tanks crossing the border, the Nord Stream Pipeline 2 would cease to exist. Listen to this audio real quick. If, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But, do, but how, will you, how will you do that? Exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. So, yeah, he seemed pretty confident in saying that and laughed at a reporter who said how. But let's think about the motivations of each side here. So Russia is extremely energy wealthy. And otherwise, they're getting by. They're not the wealthiest country in terms of other things besides energy, although energy is obviously extremely important. But they could get by without it, right? So their biggest incentive to have it is finances to get more money. I think their currency is rubles, perhaps. But in addition to doing that, getting money, there would be giving energy to their perceived enemies. Germany right now and Europe, who has been funding Ukraine, are enemies of Russia. So one could theoretically rationally state, hey, it was Russia that did this because they do not want to give energy to their adversaries because energy is very important. And President Trump warned the Germans. He said, you've got to get your own energy independence or things aren't going to end well for you. And their energy costs are so high. Businesses are closing and people just can't afford to heat their houses. So it's going to be a really tough winter for Germany. I feel bad for the people, but not the government leaders because they were just idiotic or didn't care and chose to go down a path of completely relying on someone else for their energy in another country. That is the globalist myth that everything will always be fine with your neighbors and you can depend on them for all your sustenance. It's uh, completely false. It might work 
mostly, but it's not impervious. And that's why I believe in America First policies, having natural resources, being energy independent here in America. But that is the motivation for Russia actually sabotaging it with mines, underwater mines or drones, is that they would say, hey, we can't give energy to you, our enemy anymore or indirect enemy funder of the war when you consider that. Uh, so, yeah, it was 45% of the whole European Union's energy. And, you know, that's gone. So that's a lot. And it looks like the Germans are saying this damage is beyond repair. This is a $11 billion pipeline that was financed, I believe, by the Poles, the Polish. It wasn't primarily financed by the Germans, or I'm sorry, Russia, although Russia was certainly benefiting from it. But it looks like the salt water in the ocean or the sea, whichever you prefer to call it, depending on where you are, it's uh, eroding the pipes. They're done. An $11 billion project and uh, could, you know, never exist again, which is definitely not good for those Russian-European relationships. Uh, but, you know, just as that happened, we have a new pipeline. I think the day after, this story is two days ago, uh, and the pipeline initially blew up two days ago, I believe, some roughly in there, around the same time, a Norway-Poland gas pipeline opens uh, to cut dependency on Russia. Leaders from Poland, Norway, and Denmark have attended a ceremony to mark the opening of the new Baltic pipe, a key stage in the drive to wean Poland and Europe off of Russian gas. Well, I mean, that's good. They shouldn't have went super woke and said, we're going to completely depend on another country for our energy. Never a good idea. And that's what Joe Biden is doing to America right now, by the way. When you get green energy that requires solar panels, that require rare earth metal mining, that we don't have the mining facilities here yet in America. We got rid of them. We used to have them. Uh, when you need huge wind turbines that have steel that is cheaper in, in China, you're you're outsourcing your energy to another country. And if you go to war, they can cut you off. So we've got to reverse Biden's policies. We need this red wave to reverse the energy policies of Joe Biden, the complete myth of global warming. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that here. I'll say I'm skeptical and I'm not completely denying it because I'm on a lot of podcast networks. I don't know what their rules are. I'm skeptical. I'm not denying it. Do your own research. So, yeah, this new pipeline goes all the way from Poland to Denmark, passes you know north of Germany. Looks like a huge project. And they have a 10-year agreement, Norway, to sell natural gas to Poland. And I think they're also going to sell some natural gas to some other countries. 
they're sure going to need it. It's going to be probably a cold winter. Although a number of strategic projects in the Polish and Lithuanian energy sectors are coming to fruition today. They're the outcomes of two states' long-term strategic visions of energy independence from Moscow's grip. Well, it's pretty weird timing. Like they announced that it's ready to be opened the day after or two days after the same day that Russia, their pipeline explodes. Uh, here's a more breaking news. Finland shuts border to Russian tourists. Interesting. Uh, it's kind of scary when countries start isolating citizens. The U.S. has been told U.S. citizens to leave Russia. So, yeah, that's the first big story. This pipe, this $11 billion project probably will not be restored. Russia is going to blame the U.S. It's going to lead to more tensions because if it, if it were the U.S., if Biden did do it, this would be terrorism. It would be eco-terrorism, killing fish, which is bad. But even more significantly, it would be energy terrorism, destroying energy and resources of a country. They could theoretically cut the cables at the bottom of the ocean that provides internet from the United States to Europe. We'll see what happens there. I hope the Democrats keep their cool because this is not something we don't want to get in a fight with Russia. They have more nuclear weapons than us. And it's just not good for anyone in the world. I believe the United States is the aggressor in this entire thing. Now, were they the aggressor recently in the past few months? No, not necessarily. But George W. Bush in the early 2000s, you can look this up. He first proposed the idea of Ukraine joining NATO. And then Obama reverberated that idea. So why is that problematic? I've alluded to this in a previous episode, if you've listened before. Uh, glad to have you listening again. If you haven't, I'll explain this briefly. Ukraine is adjacent, obviously, to Russia. And Ukraine joining NATO would effectively guarantee nuclear weapons in the backyard of Russia. And Vladimir Putin's not having that. And you know what? That's not that irrational to not want nuclear weapons in your backyard because they're pretty much impossible to stop by most militaries anyways. There's theoretically space lasers now, right? They can shoot these down, but nobody knows that for sure. That's, you know, possibly classified. But it's not irrational to not want nuclear weapons super close. The closer they are, the harder it is to get a warning and to know before you the strike happens. So we had the Cuban Missile Crisis under Kennedy. We had nuclear weapons not far, I think roughly 100 miles off the coast of Florida. We know what that's like. So we never should have proposed Ukraine joining NATO, disarmament and acts of non-aggression 
is the superior thing to do. But the, the United States has been super aggressive. I mean, we have this massive military budget. It's very profitable, the military industrial complex. And it just seems like there are some high level military that just enjoy war. I could be wrong, but that's at least the perception on the outside about that last part. And moving on to the second story for today, you're probably not surprised. I've mentioned this also in a previous episode, but there's more news. The Democrats are weaponizing Hurricane Ian, one of the strongest recorded hurricanes to ever make land in the state of Florida. The Democrats are weaponizing that against Governor Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor. So it happened from a few different players, a few different individuals. This is what Tucker Carlson said on it. I think this is his quote here. Hurricane Ian, as we've told you, has crushed the state of Florida. More than a million people have no power. This is a catastrophe. It's a national disaster. People will certainly be killed because of it, Carlson said. Sorry, this is, yeah, Tucker Carlson. Under circumstances like that, decent people put politics aside for a moment because they're not ghouls. They realize something like life and death are more important than politics. They don't give political sermons at funerals, for example. But at MSNBC, there's no reason to abide by the basic standards of decency. So today, that channel invited former Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill to deliver a sermon to everyone stuck without power in Florida facing death. And that message was to stop complaining about Joe Biden, serfs. McCaskin expressed a hope that Floridians who hated the federal government or hate the federal government would remember the disaster relief efforts following the hurricane. Hurricane Ian made landfall Wednesday afternoon, knocking out power, extensive damage. Well, hold on, Miss McCasket, Mrs. McCasket, former Senator McCasket. The states pay the federal government. Federal aid comes from the states. And while it might be true that red states are a net negative with taking more tax dollars than they give, I don't believe that's the case with Florida. It could be, but nonetheless, the federal government has the money to help the states because they take so much of our money about those 87,000 IRS agents. So she's arrogant in thinking that it's all about the powers of the federal government and, you know, bow down and kiss our feet, give us money, and then praise us as we give you a little bit of your money back. That's the arrogance of the Democrats right there. So, yeah, no shame, no decency. And then you had on CNN, Don Lamont, which he allegedly lost his prime time spot. I haven't looked into that too much, but even on this new show, he's talking to the chief of the National Oceanic. Yeah, the chief of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the director. He's looking at the hurricane on the radar. They're looking at it together on air. It looks huge. 
And Lamont is just repeatedly saying, it's the first hurricane ever uh, to sh uh, shut him down. It's the first hurricane ever. Uh, you know, how can I help the Democrat Party in the middle of a humanitarian disaster? That's uh, the, the thought of it is Carlson, Tucker Carlson is saying. But basically, this, the conversation was, Don Lamont said, this is climate change, right? This hurricane, climate change, right? But the director said, no, you can't link one single weather event to climate change. That's not how you study climatology. But Don Lamont was like, are you sure? You know, this has got to be climate change. I've never seen anything like this. So he's trying to draw that narrative and say, you know, Florida deserves it. They don't care about climate change. Uh, and lastly, you've, you've got the Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. I just do not like her. Something about her attitude. This is what I quoted earlier that I meant to not quote earlier. How can I help the Democratic Party in the middle of a humanitarian disaster? Most people don't think that way, but Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota certainly does, Carlson said. She announced on television that if we gave her a lot of a lot more power, hurricanes wouldn't happen. <laughs> because it turns out Amy Klobuchar and her friends control the weather only if you vote for them. We called her office, Tucker Carlson show that is and ask her to come on to explain specifically how she would have taken care of control of the weather and prevented the hurricane. How would she have done it? Here's full power, full funding, Klobuchar. Tell us how you would have stopped the hurricane. Unsurprisingly, she didn't respond. She's always welcome on the show and tell us how she'll be in charge of the weather. What do you think? Your God or something? <laughs> Tucker's great. I love his monologues, uh, but yeah, that she's thinks she's going to control the weather. Come on. I mean, there might be things that we can do to affect the weather in some ways on a short term basis. But the Democrats thinking they're going to create a weather machine that's going to completely disrupt all weather events. I just don't think that's within the realm of current physics and, and chemistry. I mean, hurricanes are weakened by sprinkling ice in the clouds to cool them down, dropping it out of planes. There's some chemicals that affect the composition of the atmosphere, some, but it's not enough to stop hurricanes. It's just hubris at this point. That's my understanding anyways. Okay, the next big story, this is really big news. Trump legal team claims that the Biden DOJ misled the court and actually seized 200,000 pages of documents from Mar-a-Lago. Can you imagine that? 200,000 pages. They literally want every piece of paper that, every that ever touched his desk and they want to find anything they can to get him in trouble. That is one hypothesis, and I, I believe that. The other would be, well, they just want to make the midterms about him so they can possibly win. That's not working. They're doing horrible in the polls. It's going to be a huge red wave. More on that in a few minutes. But 
they could be weakening, weakening his resolve and his reputation more. So he has no chance in 2024. But again, that's not going to happen either because he's going to wreck whoever runs against him in a primary. I think he's locked the primary down. DeSantis is not going to run against him. It would be bloody and it would hurt DeSantis, his, his future political career. I don't think uh, that's something I, I know I don't want to see it and I don't think it'll happen. So we can assume pretty confidently Trump will run unopposed if he is not, you know, indicted or if he's not in jail. Interestingly, the president of the United States can be a felon and rerun for election, or you can run the first time for election as a felon. It's the only position, federal position, of which I know that a felon can run. So even if they convicted Trump of a felony, he could literally be in jail, like making a campaign ad from the telephone. And uh, it's just wild to think about. But I don't think that'll happen because, once again, the FBI and the Department of Seemingly Injustice are just throwing things out that don't make a whole lot of sense when you really look at it. The Constitution definitely grants presidents the ability to declassify documents. They are the ultimate authority. So let's look at a little more details here. Yet yeah, They're saying the DOJ said they seized 11,000. They initially said that. Trump says 200,000 or his lawyers said that 11,000 tally up to 200,000. And that's why so many vendors have declined the potential engagement of sorting the documents. At the status conference before the special master, the plaintiff suggested that the dates put forth in the draft case management plan were unlikely to prove feasible in terms of both the likely start of the document flow and the man hours necessary to review more than 11,000 pages of documents. The problem compounded by the fact when the plaintiff's counsel referred to either 11,000 or even either 11,000 pages or even 11,000 documents during the status conference, the government chose not to inject, interject with an accurate number if it was pages or documents. In conversations between the plaintiff's counsel and the government regarding a data vendor, the government mentioned 11,000 documents contain closer to 200,000 pages. So Trump's team is arguing, hey, this is, you're saying we need to go through 200,000 pages in just a short time, and no one, none of these vendors that we're trying to pay third parties. Are taking this on because they don't think it's realistic to do this in that short of a time period. It would be better to base deadlines on actual data and not wistful claims by the government, they said, Trump's attorneys. So this is a new filing. This will be going to the Florida judge. And uh, we'll see how that goes. You know, it's if Democrats can have 95% of political trials in Washington, D.C., where 19 out of 20 people are Democrats, then it's okay every now and then for a Republican 
to have a judge that is under a that that is conservative or would appear to act in that way. I think she was probably pretty neutral, and the special master is someone that signed the initial FISA warrant that allowed Trump's campaign to be spied on because evidence was faked, presented to him, you know, false evidence. That's the allegations. So he wants to be extra careful because he doesn't want to sign something that leads to a fake investigation or a fake indictment, right? So I think it's actually pretty neutral there, despite what the left might say, considering those factors. Yeah, the FBI said in court they misrepresented the number of documents. Wow. Yeah, they didn't just stay, steal Trump's property. They also inserted documents. That's a huge accusation right there, inserted. So we'll see how that goes. I think Trump will be fine, though. There's just going to drag on until the special master, who knows, a year from now, is like, oh, there's nothing here. That's my prediction, unless they escalate. And if they escalate and arrest him, then that's going to be horrible for the country. But I don't see it happening. And the next story we have is in Oregon, we could see the first Republican governor since 1987, 35 years I think that's correct. That's roughly correct. 35 years. So, yeah, Oregon has moved further and further left. And this poll is 600 Oregon voters found that the Republican has 32% support. And I don't know, that sounds like kind of a small poll to me. Just 600 voters. However... It is from interactive polls. They're uh, not too bad from what I have seen. Or they're they're saying it's from DHM Research. 32% is for the Republican. Her name, yeah, Drazen. 31% for the Independent. Former Democrat. Has 18%. So this was just the 23rd and the 24th. It has a margin of error of four points. So, you know, they're roughly tied, the Republican and the Independent. But this is huge news. This shows you the potency of the red pill of the Biden administration and these corrupt, sick, awful district attorneys who refuse to prosecute violent crime. Who in their damn mind thinks that it's okay to give someone a second chance who raped someone after a week or who attempted murder, give them a second chance after three days or send them home right away? No cash bail. You know, someone's a non-violent drug offender, even if it's hard drugs, I, my mindset is if the impact on society was minimal, then send them to rehab. You know, don't put, don't lock them in a, in a box. The war on drugs has failed. 
And when you do see these hardcore drug addicts, it does affect people around them to some extent, their family, their employer, people in their network that depend upon them. But if they're not like killing people or influencing kids, send those people to rehab. But when you're letting out rapist people like violent robbery, burglary, attempted murder, those high-end violent crimes, those people do not need to be out right away. So long story short on that, that is a big part of why we are seeing such a massive, massive red wave approaching us. So yeah, the Democrat, no, sorry, the Independent, who's got 18%. She served in the Senate, state Senate for 16 years. She left the party saying she uh, that having to choose between another left-wing liberal promising more of the same or right-wing Trump apologist is no choice at all. But yeah, this uh, Republican here, no can her campaign spokesperson said no candidate in recent memory has come close as she is to ending the one party control they're ready for a new direction uh, drazen has highlighted increased rates of violent crime and drug use in her campaign Oregon decriminalized hard drugs in 2020 leading to a 20% overall use Overdose deaths more than doubled in the state. It's a Chinese fentanyl. Biden's border crisis. They don't care. They say they care, but that if they did, they close the damn border. They don't care enough. A series of polls have found Drazen and Kodak neck to neck. So, uh, yeah, even the 538s poll, they're pretty leftist. And they're saying that uh, Kotick is leading Drazen by just a little bit. So... Drazen might actually be ahead and not, you know, within accuracy, not within margin of error. And the Cook Political Report considers the race a toss-up. The Cook Political Report is like a cornerstone in predictive politics. And they're saying it's a toss-up. Could go to anyone. So we'll see. Really interesting. And you wouldn't be too shocked to, to learn that the least popular governor in America is Oregon's current Democrat, Kate Brown. You know, when Antifa was showing up and there was the was CHOP. CHOP might have been in Seattle, but there was still a lot of Antifa violence in Portland and a, a lot of the left-wing violence there. She was saying, I'm pretty sure it was her. You can double check me. This could be another summer of love. It's insanity. You think you're going to give compassion to people who are ruthless, who a switch in their brain is turned off. They don't have the ability to not harm people. You think that's going to turn out well? That's not going to turn out well. And there you have it. She's the least popular governor, even in super liberal Portland, you know, outweighing the rest of Oregon. She has a 41% approval, 54% disapproval, least popular. Interestingly, the top 11 
most popular governors are Republican. That'd be, it. I think it's 11. Charlie Baker from Maine, 74% approval. Phil Scott from Vermont, 72%. Larry Hogan, Maryland, 71%. Wow, that's really high approval. That's, uh, I wonder what their policies are. I haven't really looked into their policies too much. I'll have to do that, give you a report on that. Jim Justice, West Virginia, 65%. Uh, Asa Hutch, Hutchinson, Arkansas, 63%. Chris Sununu, New Hampshire, 63%. Well, the Northeast just really has it locked down, don't they? Spencer Cox, Utah, 62%. K. Ivey, Alabama, 62%. Mark Gordon, Wyoming, 62%. I'm not going to go through all 50, just a few more. Doug Bergman, North Dakota, 60. Mike DeWine, Ohio, 60. Kentucky. Here, here's the first Democrat on the list. Andy Bashir in Kentucky. And then, of course, is Governor Bill Lee from my state of Tennessee. A influential businessman, or I should say my home state. Not there now. I'm actually very close to the swamp. But Bill Lee, interestingly, he's not as MAGA as I would have liked. But he also has a multi-million, hundreds of millions of dollar company. And he's trying to protect it, I think. So that's the conflict, you know. You don't want to destroy your business. So you don't go hardcore ultra MAGA. I mean, they they pass conservative policies, but what I mean by ultra MAGA on the state level in a state as conservative as Tennessee, they're kind of reactive. Like Vanderbilt University, Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire. God bless the Daily Wire. They're doing amazing. Their podcast is bigger than Disney's podcast, but that's another story. Walsh exposed Vanderbilt University for doing gender surgeries on minors. And it didn't take just a few days before the state of Tennessee, the lawmakers, Governor Bill Lee said, you know, we're going to ban that. We're going to make that illegal. Or I think that's the plan. They're going to or they have threatened to. So that's great. But it was reactive. I think it had been happening for a while. It, they seem like the Republican Party spectrum that does the right thing, but doesn't get aggressive with the media when needed and do things proactively. Maybe they had no idea about it, but I'm skeptical of that. I think someone, some lawmakers knew, and they had to wait for it to blow up, you know, from a Matt Walsh video. So, anyways, I'm glad that is going to be banned. Hopefully, it'll be banned nationally, at least for minors, right? Like, when you're young, you change your mind a lot. So... I don't believe in it at all. I believe in gender dysphoria is a horrible thing. 
and that people that transition the suicide rates are so high. But I don't hate them. I don't have any bad feelings, nothing bad against them. And uh, I just think kids are too confused you, uh, because they're kids, right? So just let people wait until they're 18. Don't don't force it or don't let them have their way if it truly is their idea. This is really d- disappointing to me. This is the last thing I'll say about gubernatorial rankings. Gavin Newsom of California, 57% approval rating, 37% disapproval. Ron DeSantis of Florida, 56% approval, 38% disapproval. That's really sad. Newsom is beating DeSantis in approval and disapproval by 1% respectively. I think that's the 2028 matchup, and it could be the 2024 matchup as Newsom and Trump, because Newsom has been making some big ad buys and putting his name out there on the national stage. But I don't know how anybody would elect him. I mean, Floridians, I'm sorry, Californians are fleeing that state. It's the most fleed state. And California is the most moved to state. And studies actually show most people, most liberals that move to conservative areas, not all, but most, they tend to vote moderately or lightly conservative, Some sometimes hardcore conservative, which is great news. Doesn't mean it's going to completely turn these conservative states blue or purple. Now, Texas, with Austin being a tech hub, is an exception. But if you look at other states, liberals move there. They're intimidated by the guns. They don't like the Trump flags, the pickup trucks. Uh, They are surprised by the Southern hospitality that everybody says hello and ask them how they're doing. They do enjoy that, but they can't handle the fact that some people believe abortion is murder. Uh, So that's uh, unfortunate. They end up moving back to liberal places. That's the overall tendency the past 10 years. We're becoming hyper-polarized, not just how we vote, but how we live communities as a whole were increasingly very conservative or very liberal. All right, let's see. We've got one more story here. Let's see. No, two more stories. Just really quickly about the governor of Oregon. She has been using clemency like crazy. And, you know, some of it might be good. This is the Guardian. They're leftist. Uh, but clemency for juveniles, that's you know not such a bad idea if it's been a sufficient amount of time, it, depending on what they did, right, the context. But I'm guessing some of the people that she has granted clemency have been really violent criminals and maybe have recommitted. She has pardoned 63 people. Most notably, she has commuted the sentences of 144 people convicted of crimes as serious as murder, yet have demonstrated extraordinary evidence of rehabilitation. I'm skeptical of that. Maybe maybe that's true, and we're finally getting rid of 
the Joe Biden crime laws, that his crime bill put so many people in jail, and so did Kamala Harris. Yet they have the audacity to virtue signal like they're great. No, they're not like not at all about you know equality and giving people opportunity. They're both the worst. Some of the worst politicians. Biden probably is the worst. Uh, there's so many people in jail for minor drug offenses because of his crime bill. Meanwhile, his relative is, uh, you know, smoking the uh, Parmesan cheese. Anyways, might be a good thing that the policies are shifting, but I have a feeling she went too far because she is the least popular and that's been the trend as Democrat cities really, really violent. We'll see if the Republican gets her elected. I hope that she does. Last story, short, a little sad. I normally don't talk about stuff like this, but I think it's important to, to mention the human side of politics, of even, you know, Republicans and some of the sad things they go through. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Georgia. Her husband files for divorce, but praises her for being an amazing mother. There was an allegation that she had an affair some years ago, but that they got back together and made it work out for a while. You know, after that first affair, it is really hard to rebuild trust. Assuming that's true, I, I do believe I read that and I recall that correctly, but even if that's not true, the pressure of public life puts a tremendous strain on marriages. And especially if you're Marjorie Taylor Greene and you're getting swatted multiple nights in a row. I believe Marjorie had a bill or said she was going to create a bill, write a bill that would limit transgender something. I don't know, something. I don't want to necessarily call it rights because a lot of the time it's over invasion, like forcing it on on heterosexual Americans. That's what the culture is seeming like, especially Pride Month. It just forces it down your throat. Anyways, after she talked about writing this you know, trans legislation, anti-trans legislation, as the left would call it. She was swatted twice. And Tim Pool from Tim Cast, he's been swatted twice. Uh, it's something the left is doing to try to get people murdered, is sending cops. Sending cops. So, yeah, with her guns drawn in the middle of the night. Yeah, this is a bona fide separation he said she's a great mom. The divorce will be filed under seal as it'll be sensitive personal financial information that would negatively impact both of their interests. And uh, Representative Green accepted the divorce on Wednesday, yesterday. So looks like uh, it, it's final, I think. Or maybe there's more paperwork. I'm not really sure, but kind of sad for her. But that, I mean, that happens. In, in politics and, and non-politics. So God bless both of them. No 
criticism here. I mean, I, I do criticize for the if the affair was true. That's that's horrible. Um, but uh, if you love someone, I suppose you forgive them or you just leave them right there. Either way, she is a good representative. I believe in looking at an individual's character and in multiple aspects of life. And she really does care about America, I believe. She's already wrote impeachment proceedings, drafted the articles twice for Joe Biden. And 52% of Americans want to impeach him. I don't think Republicans will do it, but if they did, it would be Marjorie Taylor Greene leading it in the House. So, yeah, I hope you're well. I'm going to keep working on this podcast, making my audio better, trying to do segments at a set amount of time to give you a lot of information. Sometimes it'll be a lot of detail on one topic. Other times it might be just a little bit of detail on several topics. I'm figuring out the format. I've been a YouTuber for two years. Now I'm trying to learn how to do audio podcasting. Right now, it's just you and I, audio, but most of mine will probably be video audio, and I'll have to learn how to engage you as well as my video audience and increase my audio quality. But we're going to make America great again. We're, we got this red wave coming. And uh, God is good. The world is kind of scary right now, but God is good. And if you're still listening, uh, consider subscribing, following whichever platform you're on. Now, this is on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon, Google Podcast, uh, Stitcher Radio, quite a few others. So give me a follow and uh, head over to YouTube. Search for Red Pill News. I got nearly 13,000 subscribers. If you like funny memes, Biden memes, and, and MAGA videos, definitely check that out. They gave me a strike for showing Joe Biden react to eating jalapeno pepper pizza. They said it was harassment to show Joe Biden eating spicy pizza with military troops. So ridiculous. So I can't post until Saturday. That's big tech censorship for you. Insanity. But yeah, I am off. I hope you're well. I will be back with more Red Pill News soon. And this program will continue to evolve for the better. And I plan to do it for the long term. Talk to you soon. God bless.